Those are good words. Do we mean them, I wonder? You know, because God often invites us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He invites us to be refined and shaped. We are the potter, he is, or he is the potter, we are the clay. Yet you know what I hear a lot as a pastor? God didn't do what I wanted him to do. (laughs) God should do things this way. But the beauty of that prayer that was just sung is that it's saying, God, I trust you. Today we're going to deviate. Your bulletins lied to you uh, because I felt the Lord saying we needed to look at 1 Peter this morning. And hopefully as we go through today, you'll understand why. But 1 Peter... Uh, is the letter Peter wrote largely to the Jewish diaspora. Fancy word for you for the day. You ready? You know what it means? Jews were spread out. Big fancy word way of saying Jews were spread out. But Peter is writing to the church, the followers of Christ Jesus. And he's reminding them of a great number of things. First, he's reminding them that their Jewish heritage is not their true heritage. They are gods. They are aliens in this world. Not green and little Martian eyes, but this world is not our home. Then he goes on to remind them, hey, you are called to a certain kind of life. And that kind of life looks different from the world. So look different. But when you look different by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus Christ, having access to God our Father, as you walk look and serve differently, people aren't always going to be with you. Now, that's the nice way of saying that people will persecute you, you will suffer, and there will be times when it's difficult. Peter knows this. He's not trying to hide. One of the great things about the Bible, people ask me, what do I love about the Bible? I love that it's honest. It doesn't just say it's going to be happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. It's real. I grew up in a home where whenever we were to watch a movie and my mom got to choose, she only wanted to watch true stories because they were real and they were authentic. And apparently to enjoy a movie, there must be tears involved. I disagree. When I watch a movie, I want to escape. I want there to be blood, guts, and laughter because none of those things are always as real as what a true story tells. But in the good news of Jesus Christ, Peter moves on and he's saying, you know what? The more you live for Jesus, the more suffering will come. I'm warning you. And then he turns his attention even more and he focuses on the leaders of the church. And he says, in this case, he's saying men, but really all of us can learn from this. Men step up, be willing to be who God has called you to be as leaders but he doesn't expect them to not be a little concerned about them. He's then moving on, and at the end of 1 Peter 5, he's going to tell them about what we look forward to when Jesus returns and all that is coming at the day of completion. But before he gets there, he puts this tiny little phrase that we sometimes scroll right past. But as we unpack it today, I hope it transforms us. He's talked about suffering. He's talking about shepherding the flock. 
And then he says these words in 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. They'll be up on the screen later, but I just want you to listen right now. Listen to what a man like Peter had to learn. And remember what Peter learned. This is the same Peter that denied and betrayed Christ. And, you know, he's learning the hard way at times. Can you relate? Listen to what he's learned. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. The ESV says casting, present tense, repeatedly casting, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. In the midst of this call to leadership, in the midst of this call to stand firm, which is coming just a few verses later, in the midst of saying, hey, stuff gets hard, stuff gets real, Peter stops and says, humble yourselves. First, you want to know a guy that knew how to be humble? Talk to the one that had to be forgiven by Jesus. What we all have, but literally three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, feed my sheep. So what is Peter doing in this letter? He's feeding the sheep. He's reminding them how to live. He's teaching us what it means to follow Jesus, even if it's hard. Today I titled the message, I I first shared this over the weekend, uh, actually on Friday with the Christian Alliance International School Gospel Camp. So if you're a student, you've heard one version of this. This is the grown-up version. So, you know, I'll dance less. Um, But bear with me on that. But here's the thing. This is about knowing who we are forever. That's one of the key things about the good news of Jesus Christ. See that first word up there? Future. If I talk to teenagers, you know one of the first things they're worried about? Their future, right? What are we going to do? My mom wants me to be a lawyer. I want to go travel Europe. Nobody has ever said that? Come on. I think we're a little sleepy today. So I'll try to warm us up as we go on. But the future is a big deal. And as Peter writes this letter, he's reminding people of the good news, which is called the gospel. Uh, on Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, uh, I'd just gotten back from a trip to America and I was very jet lagged and I'd spoken at the camp and I looked at, at the students I was leading a discussion for and I asked them, hey, can you guys define the gospel for me? And sure enough, one of them, beautiful young lady, looks at me with big smile on her face and says, yeah, it's the good news. I said, good. So what's the good news? The gospel. And I said, and, and we kind of got stuck. So let me back up for a minute and remind you of the truth of the gospel. You might recognize this verse. It's easily the most famous verse in all the world. For God, in fact, let's read this one together because you're not very awake this morning and I need you to be awake. It helps me. I'm tired. I'm a little jet lagged, stuff like that. So let's read this together. One, two, yeah, Esam. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, it would be very easy for me to divert and spend all my time just preaching right here, but this, in one short statement, is the good news of Jesus Christ for all eternity, okay? This is the root 
of God becoming man, making his dwelling among us, becoming not only the lion of Judah, but the atoning lamb of sacrifice that makes a way for our sins not just to be forgiven, but set free that we, our lives have been atoned for. Our sins are counted against us no more. And then we are invited into a new kingdom life. Remember when we get back to the Beatitudes and the uh, Sermon on the Mount, which will be in for a long time in the days to come. All of that is about living in sync, in connection with, in unison with the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God is essentially? a way of living that demonstrates to everyone around us that God is God and Lord over everything. And so then, what does this gospel do? What does this future gospel teach us? Well, if you've got your sermon notes with us, you'll see that the first thing we learn right off the bat is the good news of Jesus Christ humbles us. That's what Peter tells us in verse 6. Somehow we we got confused there. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at a proper time he might exalt you. It's easy, especially if you are of Jewish descent, to look around at the rest of the world and say, we're God's chosen people, we're better. The Pharisees were known to show off how holy they were. But yet, who was Jesus' heart for time and again? It was for the least of these. When Jesus speaks his first really big sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Pastor Mark reminded us, how does Jesus start? Blessed are the desperate. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Blessed are those who realize that on our own, we stink at life. That's the Mike Rose version. We are not enough. I've used this illustration before, but it bears repeating. There are some skills that I just do not have. For instance, handiwork around the house. Can't do it. I heard an amen. (laughs) Then they've seen my work. There was a point in time when you walked into my girl's room and you looked at every shelf in the room and every shelf was like this or this or this because I hung them. And no matter how hard I try, no matter how good I want to be, I still stink at hanging shelves. So much so that my wife, God bless her, has finally agreed that we will hire a carpenter and he can hang the shelves. And you know what? Now they're all straight and they look so pretty and it only took one hole instead of five. But see, that's a lot like our Christian lives. We keep thinking we can fix ourselves. And it's at this point that Jesus speaks in with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And as Albert reminded us a couple weeks ago, blessed are those who are desperately aware of their need for salvation. But it doesn't stop there because our humility draws us to hope. Because he who knew no sin, he who didn't sin at all, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. You can actually say that that you put it on, and I talked about that two weeks ago, so I'm not going to use those illustrations again, but we are clothed by the blood of the Lamb in His righteousness, not our own. The gospel humbles us. It also gives us confidence. One, it gives us confidence that we are building a life that lasts forever. 
I was, uh, I was with somebody last weekend that was 88 years old. And it was pretty cool because the man still serves as an elder at his church. And he was telling a story. And at 88, you feel like, especially in Chinese terms, you know, 88 is a blessed year, right? That's a good year. And so he should just be sitting back, relaxing, right? He's had a good run. Now just enjoy life, enjoy grandkids, great-grandkids, and great-great-grandkids. You know what story he wanted to tell first? A person he met the week before that he got in the privilege of sharing Christ with. 88 years old, and you know what's compelling him to keep moving forward? The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ does not have a retirement age on it. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is, an, is a person, and it's the promise of a relationship that lasts forever. And you've heard me repeat what Francis Chan says over and over again, that we are called to build lives that last for eternity, that last for the next 10 million years, not just the next 40, 50, 20, however many. I, I don't want to tell you how long you've got left. It's between you and the Lord. But this is not all there is. And so we are confident, not only in our internal life, but we are confident that we can give him everything. Why? Not just because we're stressed, but because he cares for us. At this point, I want to pause, and I want to take a very informal survey. You know that I like my anthropology and sociology, so I like to know about my people, and you are my people. Uh, and so I'd like you to just raise your hand as I mention a few things. You ready? If you agree with any of these, if you've been in a state like any of these, just raise your hand, okay? And if you don't, I'm going to call you a liar. So you ready? First, who has ever been worried? Okay, good, good. You're with me. Some of you are liars. Second, you ever been scared? Think all the way back to your childhood. Yeah, okay, good. A few more liars. Now, this is a big one. This is a big one because we, we in Christ don't like to talk about this one because we, we want that justice and we don't want the mercy for the other party. You ever been frustrated? Oh, oh it gets a little deeper. Uh-oh. Okay, keep going. This is a really good survey. I'm going to keep note of this. Have you ever been hurt? And this isn't the physical hurt. This is the emotional, the spiritual, the wound. Yeah. Gets real, doesn't it? Okay, big one. Especially in a city like this. Oh my goodness, this city. Have you ever been uncertain? Not sure what comes next? Hmm. You ever felt so busy you can't possibly be in control? (laughs) Liars. Your hand isn't up on that one. You don't live in Hong Kong. Have you ever been anxious? then have I got a story for you. And it's right there. Cast all your anxiety on him. The good news of Jesus Christ is a person and he says, bring it. I can handle it. You can't. You know what I love about this verse? Is it doesn't say that Mike has to figure it all out. I am a pastor. 
And I get the distinct privilege of walking through life with people in all sorts of settings. But there are some days when I try to fix it on my own. And every time I do, my family sees it when I come home because I'm either frustrated, I'm broken, or I'm tired. I haven't been living in the strength of the Lord. I've been depending on my own wisdom to help others. And I get worried for people. I can't tell you the amount of days my heart is anxious for you. My heart mourns for you. My heart worries with you. Yet for all of us, the command is the same. Give it to Jesus. It's his. He cares. It's implied here. He cares more than you because he's God. Do you know that? He's bigger than you. I'm not a very big guy, so it doesn't take much. But he's bigger than all of us put together. He is God. Therefore, we know that we can be confident in him. Let me flesh this out a little more just to make sure you understand. First, Genesis teaches us this. We were created in the very image of God by a triune God. Triune, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I agree with the commentators that believe when it says, let us make man in our own image, that was the three persons of the Trinity in fellowship one with another creating humankind. And God says, let us make man in his own image, in our own image. We bear the very image of God. The, the word that you would have heard if you grew up in an Anglican or Catholic church might have been icon, E-I-K-O-N. You're an image bearer of God. How cool is that? Now, sometimes we don't carry that image very well. That's a different sermon. Let's keep moving on. Second, you move into Psalm 139, Okay. He says, behold, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I need to explain a little bit because not all of us use the word fearfully very often today, do we? No, if we're fearful, it means we're afraid. Ah, right? God didn't look at us and be like, ah, what did I do? That is not what fearful means here. It means with great care, great attention, great detail. He created you. And He created you wonderfully. He meant to make you because He cares for you. You need to know that right now. I don't care what situation you're finding in life. Tell yourself that. In fact, go ahead and say right now. Say this God cares for me. Say it out loud. Come on. Say it louder. Okay, do you believe that? Is he bigger than your circumstances? Yeah, well, see, notice how quiet it got then. We know it, but we're not sure we believe it yet. So let's keep going. Let's see what else we can learn as we progress. But before we do, I need you to put something in your head that's hopefully not going to distract you too much. What's worrying you today? Got something? Shouldn't take you long. Most of us have something that's, you know, the Christian word now is we're concerned, right? We don't actually admit we're worried because that would be unbiblical, so we've just changed the name of the word. We do that a lot. So what concerns you today? Okay, think about that for a second. And then listen to this. The good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself sets us free He who's made you free, you are free indeed. How do I know this? Well, I know it because one, Jesus, 
in Luke chapter 12 teaches us a great question. And which of you, by being anxious, uh, older translations say, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, it took me all of, I think Google told me, 0.000003 seconds to find millions of articles on the effect of worry, the negative effect of worry and anxiety on a person's life, scientifically speaking. There are millions of articles on this subject. So I'm not going to give you all the empirical data except to tell you from personal experience, when you worry and when you allow stress to overcome your life, it affects your digestive system, your tummy, right? It affects your heart. Heart disease continues to rise even as medicines increase. Why? Because we're so worried. That's not the only reason. What we eat has a lot to do with it as well. Exercise, things like that. But still, at the end of the day, worry affects us. Not only does it affect us physically, and those are just two illustrations, it affects us relationally. When you are so worried, so consumed with stress and anxiety, it affects your friends and your family. They don't want to be around you. You're a downer. You're depressing. They got their own stuff to deal with. I don't want to deal with your stuff. You ever feel like that's happened? It does. I've had friends uh, in, in previous seasons of life that every time I talked to them, it was a new crisis. And it was exhausting. You know, a good friend will stick by you, but it does affect relationships. And Jesus is like, hey, what good to do? It does no good to worry. But you say, but Mike, you don't understand. I've got this, I got that, I've got this, I got that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Both points. One, I don't understand. Two, I don't know everything you're facing. But here's what I do know. I was 12 years old the first time I was put in the hospital with issues. I've got lots. And when I was put in the hospital, uh, one of the issues that came out was I really struggled with anxiety to the point of sleeplessness. Many of you have known that. Many of you tell me repeatedly you should sleep more. And I say, "Eh, well, I actually do better now. Three years ago, I was deeply convicted as I was preaching through one of our series that I wasn't resting in the Lord, that I wasn't casting my anxiety on him. And I need to tell you something today, that for the past three years, I have slept better than I've ever slept in my entire life. Not because of new medicines. I'm not on many pills these days, but I am in the guidance of God. And I have learned to rest in him. Now, is every night great? No. Some nights I give in and I worry. I confess that to you. But by and large, at the end of every night, I can say, Lord, take this. It's yours. And you know what I get to say every morning? Lord, here I am. Take this. It's yours. Because you're the only way I'm going to get through today. I have had the privilege of working through some very difficult challenges over life. But I have been healed. I can't give you a better illustration than myself. Because tonight, and you'll understand as today goes on, I will still sleep well. Not just because I had a glass of wine but because I have the Holy Spirit guiding me and my confidence is in Him. How do I know how to do it? How do I learn not to worry so much? Well, I'm learning. Present tense, it's still happening. I've got a long way to go. But I also know how to keep reading and know that Jesus didn't just say don't. He said there's a way to get there. 
And in the old versions, you would have learned this as, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness will be added unto you. That's found in a different passage. But for today, we're just going to use this one. Seek his kingdom. Why did I use that translation? Because remember what Jesus himself brings us into sync with? His kingdom. When we seek him, we are walking in step with him. I have a little guilty confession to make. There's a TV show that sometimes my family has watched that I confess I've enjoyed a little more than I should as a man, and it's called Dancing with the Stars. You ever hear of it? You know why I like that show? can't believe I'm saying this out loud. But here's why I like that show. Because what they do together is amazing. And at least one of them is a moron like me that can't dance. And it fascinates me that they can do things and dances that I can't do. I took ballroom dancing in university and I failed. Actually, they just told me to quit and not come back. I didn't even fail. But here's the thing. In Christ, we're seeking his kingdom. And as we seek his kingdom, we are walking in perfect step with him in three persons invited into the very fellowship of God. How amazing is that, that you, if your life is like a waltz, because it's kind of a box step, you know, you are part of that box step walking with God. There's the old song that goes, he walks with me, he talks with me along life's merry way. He does. It's true. How do we deal with worry? How do we deal with stress? How do we handle anxiety? By worrying more. Well, that's typically what I've seen in the church. The reality is we worry a whole lot. And we justify it saying, well, well, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Me. Seek me. Leave it with me. And you will be free. I dare you to sleep as well as I do tonight. Because I've been set free. What kind of struggles keep you up? Seek Jesus. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying this is an instant fix. This takes work. I am still learning. But in my journey, I get to share a little of that with you. And I promise you, it has been a worrying few weeks. But I'm at rest in him. Jesus is saying, as Phil Vischer from the VeggieTales put it, oh so eloquently, God is bigger than the boogeyman. And he's bigger than the monsters on TV. There are monsters in our lives. I know it's a funny song. If you don't know it, YouTube it. God is bigger than the boogeyman. But it's so true. God is big enough to handle everything. And not only that, but he says you can be free from fear. You can be free from anxiety. Life will be stressful, but you don't have to carry it. In fact, you're commanded not to carry it. You're commanded to give it to Jesus because you were empowered to live a bigger life. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ gives us power. Not only do we know that the Holy Spirit gives us power to walk and to live in mighty ways according to the giftings he has given us, but we know that we were called to be strong under the control of the Lord. I preached on this a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend too much time here. But remember what Jesus told us. Blessed, happy, fulfilled are the meek for they will inherit the land, the earth. Now, this goes back and refers to what uh, in the Old Testament was the promise of 
of possessing the land God had promised. And now our promise is eternity. And we, the meek, will inherit eternity to be with God forever. We have the power of knowing that God will get us there. He will get us through to tomorrow. It doesn't necessarily look like we want it to look like, but he will get us there. He is strong enough. His power compels us. When Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, he's saying, let your strength be in the Lord to direct and to guide you. But he doesn't just tell us that. As you move on, we realize that not only does the strength, the meekness that we're called to empower us and embolden us to live boldly for Jesus Christ, but we also learn that when our strength is in Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ shelters us. Another old hymn, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. How powerful a picture is that? In this season we live in, where the kingdom has been ushered in, we are kingdom people, but we're waiting for Christ to return. It can feel scary, but we know that our strength, our meekness, our, our dependence is on Jesus, right? And so how do we walk through life? You ready? This is huge. This is my favorite part. Come to me, all. Who? All. Just, just, just go ahead. Right under, right, underline that in your Bibles. Underline it on your phone. Put that mark on your phone. It'll be funny later. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Okay, so like 18 minutes ago, I asked who's been worried. I asked who's been anxious. I asked who's been concerned. I asked those questions and most of you said, yeah, yeah, that's me. Well, there is a shelter of protection already around you. The shelter's already been built. Jesus has already done the work. Your protection is already secured by what he has already done on our behalf. And so he's saying, come here, come to me. The easiest way to picture this is remember when you were a child and you got hurt and you got a boo-boo and you ran to mom or dad and they swooped you up in their arms and they held you. And in that moment, it was like they would never let you go. And you didn't have to be scared anymore. That's what Jesus says. The cool thing about Jesus is he keeps speaking and he teaches us more. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is what is used to guide cattle to know where to go as they plowed the fields. The yoke was their directional navigation system, their GPS, essentially. Old school, but still worked. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke. Let me direct your life. Let me be in control of your present and your future. But God, I got plans. God says, mine are bigger. But God, I'm worried. God says, I'm bigger than your worry. But God, I don't. God says, I do. And he says, let me teach you. I'm not saying it's easy. Jesus is implying, I'm not promising you it's always easy. 
I'm promising that I'm going to teach you how to get through it. I'm going to walk with you and your strength is going to be in me. Why? Because I am humble and gentle in heart. Three times I told you the word meek is used in the New Testament a couple weeks ago when I preached. Well, here's the second one. Humble and gentle. There, for whatever reason, the translators decided to move it over and call it humble and gentle here. It's the same word. It's meek. I am meek in heart, at heart. And in my strength that's under God's control, you will find rest for your soul. Think about that. The entire power of God providing rest for your soul. Have you ever thought about worry like that? All of God's power. Remember, church people like to use the word omnipotent. God, all-powerful, almighty. But do we ever think about it? Do we think about his power? All of him, his strength, providing rest and shelter for a human like me. Do I deserve that? No, that's grace and mercy and justice from God alone. And we'll come back to that in the coming weeks as we look at the incarnation of Jesus Christ, Christmas. But Jesus says, I'm meek and you'll find rest for my, your souls in me for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So if you're heavy burdened, then you're not seeking him first. That's, that's the impression there, right? If your burden is too heavy, then... You've missed seeking Jesus first. Simple conclusion. And then he goes on. One more thing. The NLT says it like this. Give all, New Living Translation if you wonder. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. I pastor a church of about 350 total people, uh, 400 depending on the, the, the season, uh, on an average Sunday, there's about 190 to 220 adults in our hall. I don't know all of your stories. There's just not that much of me. And now after Thanksgiving, hopefully I'll lose some weight and there'll be less of me. Right? But here's the thing. I, I, I can't be everywhere. Neither can your elders. You have amazing elders. You have amazing deacons. We had our deacon meeting this morning and these are people with vision to glorify God by loving Christ, loving one another and reaching the world. And we want to walk with you. Your community groups want to walk with you. But never let any of those things replace the glory of God himself. The good news of Jesus says, cast all your cares on him. Here's how it usually works. We go seek everybody else's advice till we find some we like and then we ask God to bless the advice that we think is appropriate, right? Isn't that how we tend to do things? Jesus says, seek me first and my righteousness and my kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So when you're making major life decisions, when you're struggling with worry, when you're struggling with uncertainty, don't come to me first. I'm human. Go to the one who's fully man and fully God. And he knows everything. And he can carry all of your burdens and replace them with direction that will let you know exactly where to go. How do I know this? I've seen it in my life. 
I'm experiencing it right now. And above all, God cares for his people. Do we believe that? We say it, but do our hearts know it? If I could leave you with one thing every day of your life, it would be reminded of this. He cares. He cares more about you than I do. And I love you. You, like I said already, you are my people. Have been for 12 and a half years. But God cares more. So with that, Melissa, we need to change directions for a minute. And I need to share something with you of what God is doing because God is a caring God. I need to read it because my words are done. Throughout the scriptures, we see God at work. That's abundantly clear. He's guiding and directing his people through seasons of life and ministry. That's always been the way God acts. This is not always easy. It's not always comfortable, but it's always a journey. And we know God's ways are always right. Melissa and I have always been committed to obeying God's leading, even as these seasons change. Remember, you didn't hire me as a lead pastor. You hired me as a big-haired youth guy. Those of you that were here that long ago would remember. You've heard me say many times, nothing is better or more important than standing in the center of God's will. And we find ourselves in the midst of a, a changing season today. Melissa and I have been honored to serve you, the AIC family, for the past 12 and a half years. You've loved us, you've grown with us, you've allowed us to grow, and you've walked radically in faith with us as we followed the Lord together. We have continually sought to glorify God by loving Christ, brought my own, loving one another, and reaching the world. God has repeatedly worked in miraculous ways, and we are thankful to have walked this road with you. However, A new season is upon all of us. God has brought a clear and compelling call to our family to return to the community I grew up in, Geneva, Ohio. Uh, On Friday night, I accepted their call to be lead pastor of the People's Church of Geneva, Ohio. It's therefore with a heavy but expectant heart that I tender my resignation as lead pastor of Alliance International Church, effective... uh, contract stuff. You don't need to worry about that. We thank God and we thank you for the distinct honor of serving alongside our Hong Kong family. You're not just our Hong Kong family. You're our family. You're the people I've lived with longer than anybody else in my life. And I love you. We love you. We're We will continue to pray and stand with you as you move forward. And we are confident God will use you, his people, in mighty ways as you continue to follow him. Obviously, we will miss you. We love you. And we know God will oversee every aspect of this new season for AIC and for us. How do we know that? Because he cares for you. He cares for us. As this journey has gone on, it has been hard. We told God, no, he was wrong. He laughed. And he said, no, Mike, I am right. And then of all things, the church I grew up in was the one that calls. Only God can do those things. 
And so in three months, we will say goodbye, but we will look forward to eternity together. I don't yet know if our children's director is going to resign. I haven't received that letter. That's her. Um, But I am hoping she comes with me. (laughs) It would be better that way. Uh, If she stays, then you as a church need some other leadership things to deal with because she's apart from her husband. But in all seriousness, I adore you. I am not perfect and I have not pastored perfectly but you have allowed us to serve you. We will continue to do that. Permanent residency says we got to come back every three years and we're sure going to try. But beyond that, we also get to set you free to see what God does next. And we are excited. You are a church on a firm foundation, a people that gather together for God's glory, that grow together as his disciples, that give your time and your resources so faithfully, and that you're going outside. Look at all the places we get to serve and what God has done over the past few years. That's him. And so we will press on. Uh, We love you. Uh, I've asked uh, Mark, wherever he is, Mark's going to pray, and then we're going to sing a cappella because I didn't warn the worship team. I don't know, Chun, if you know it is well with my soul, but I don't know a better way to benedict you today than for us to sing it as well with my soul together after Mark prays. We will stick around up front because there's more room. We love you. We know it's a surprise to many of you. Sorry for that. There's no way to (laughs) prevent that, but thank you for your partnership in the gospel. And that call to worship is also the benediction. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that, uh, that you are the same uh, today, uh, yesterday, and forever. Father, we just um, thank you that, uh, that you have... Uh, a plan for us that you love us and father i just um i, I pray for for mike melissa uh, izzy buddy and um, eve father we just want them um, uh, in the center of your will and father that's been uh, been my prayer from the beginning that uh that they would um, um they would follow you wholeheartedly and father that's that's my prayer as well and, and the elders prayer for for the congregation of aic that they would follow you and you would, uh, they would be where you would have them. And Father, uh, as they leave, uh, we just uh, give you thanks and praise for the, um, uh, for the ministry that they've had and uh, for them touching our lives. Father, and I also pray for um, the community in Geneva. Father, as they prepare for a, a new pastor, Father, the excitement that brings, and I just pray that, um, that Mike and uh, Melissa and the family would, uh, would settle in well, that they would be a blessing to the community there, and the community would be... Uh, Uh, a blessing to them as well father for us here uh, they they will leave a hole and father we pray um, and i pray for the congregation as we uh, come to terms with uh, with what that means for us that you would uh, you would comfort us in that as we um, uh, as we prepare to say uh, uh, goodbye to them but not farewell father we just um pray as uh now we as well search for um what you would, uh, you would, where you would lead us as far as um, leadership within the church goes as lead pastor. Father, we pray that you would raise up um, um, somebody that should be here and be uh, within your will as well. 
Father, so I just pray a, a blessing on uh, Mike, Melissa, uh, Izzy, Buddy, E, Father, for all those here in the, in the congregation of AIC. We just give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us and please don't make me sing by myself <laughs> as we sing it as well with my soul. Are you able to start the first note? One piece like a river. I'm just going to kind of count. One, two, three. And now, may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard our hearts and minds as we cast all our anxieties, all our cares, all our worries, all our uncertainty on Him because we know, Lord, You care for us. You are dismissed. We'll stay up front if you'd like to talk, but we are here.